evening, Chicago. You're listening to Inspirational Perspective. I'm your host, Emmanuel Leonard, sitting in for Linnell Harris, Chicago's very own life coach, right here on WVON 1690 AM, The Talk of Chicago. Inspirational Perspective on your radio is all about murdering mediocrity and living the best life possible. So as Linnell Harris asks you, Every Saturday night at 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, are you living the best life possible? If the answer is yes, keep listening. What you listen to on here will keep you on track. If the answer is no, keep listening. What you hear will make you so dissatisfied with that mediocre and toxic lifestyle that you can't help but change. Again, I'm your host, Emmanuel Leonard, I serve as Director of Creative Services for Inspirational Perspective. I'll be sitting in for Linnell this week. The topic for tonight is success. I've compiled clips from past episodes of Inspirational Perspective where Linnell discussed how to achieve success and how to live it in our lives. But before we get into tonight's topics, make sure that you follow Linnell on social media, Go to Facebook and like the Facebook page, Inspirational Perspective. You can also follow Linnell on Twitter, Periscope, and Instagram at the handle Linnell Harris. That's L-I-N-A-L Harris. Again, the topic for tonight is success. I have compiled clips from past episodes of Inspirational Perspective throughout the years where Linnell discussed this topic of success. Tonight, our first clip comes from the episode Living Life in 3D and Commitment to Success. It aired February 15, 2014. And in this clip, Linnell talks about the measurable difference between a man or woman of achievement and success in contrast to one of mediocrity. Success has everything to do with the attitude we choose to have throughout our day. And success is dependent on how we choose to use our free time. An article I wrote a few years ago, I titled it Success Versus Mediocrity. And I, I shared the following information in this article. And if you're interested in the article, you can find it on the blog at www.inspirationalperspective.com. But what I said is, it has been noted that the measurable difference between a man or woman of achievement and success, in contrast to a man or woman of mediocrity, is only 2%. That's it. Two percent. Two percent, not 50 percent. You know, it's not like people have a leg up on you. And, you know, as a parent, you only have an hour and a half left of free time or two hours left. And so there's just no way you can be successful. There's no way you can create the life you're looking for. Because the difference between a man or woman of achievement and success in contrast to a man or woman of mediocrity is only two percent. All right. So what does this mean? Well, due to that reality, I have no doubt that success has everything to do with the attitude we choose throughout our days. But more importantly, I believe success hinges upon how we choose to spend the little bit of free time we get each day. So how do we spend that free time? And earlier in the show, you heard me say You know, Americans spend one third of their free time watching television. All right. So one of the complaints I hear often, all too often, is, Linnell, I just don't have enough time. I just don't have enough time. And my answer to the statement is always, you have enough time. You just have to change how you use the time you have. One hour television every evening doesn't seem like a lot until you sum it up as 20 to 50 percent of your valuable free time. All right. One third of Americans, that's how they're spending it. So I know I'm not off base here. I mean, if I say 25 percent, that throws you in underneath the average. Okay. Furthermore, all it takes is an hour in evening to do different, to do something different, to do something that will differentiate you. So you could be part of the income earners that are in the top 10, top 25% of the world. Do different. That's another blog I wrote. All right. An hour every day used this way consistently will begin breaking the mode of mediocrity and starting your life towards living in 3D. 
And this is, you know, real quick before I go into living in 3D. You know, so I, I, I listened to Earl Nightingale, I mean, a lot some years ago. And um, I'm actually starting to listen to him again because, you know, how you remember stuff. You're like, oh, man, I forgot he said this. And so I, I have him in the car. But one of the things I remember him saying is that any individual that wanted to become an expert in something, all they have to do is dedicate an hour of their time every day to that craft. And within five years, they will be one of the foremost renowned experts in that field, period. So, you know, when you think about it, five years, I know a lot of us have this whole idea of instant gratification, but you can shift and change your trajectory if you're consistent enough, if you're committed to success. Our success is dependent on how we choose to live our lives. It's about the decisions we make of every hour of every day that will lead to our success or our demise. How are you spending your time to reach success? This next clip I'm about to play is from the episode Success that aired November 29th, 2014. In this clip, Linnell answers a question a caller had about how we have success from a community perspective. Linnell shared that in order for us to be successful, we have to unify. We have to be willing to unify in order to empower our community. And I don't think often enough we look at success from a community perspective. I think we look at failure from a community perspective often, (laughs) but not necessarily success. My answer is uh, simple but complex. I firmly believe that success in our community is rooted in our ability to unify, to unify completely and unify in a way where it's okay to disagree. It's okay if I have a different perspective. It's okay if how I may want to go about doing something may be slightly different from you. But understanding that, you know, ultimately the goal that we all are looking to achieve, the intended result is the same. My objective may be different. My measurements may be different. But the intended result is for the betterment of our community. Therefore, I am willing to support you. I am willing to lift you up in any way that I can. And often I think what we find is, you know, we compete. Uh, we don't necessarily want to see someone do better than us or uh, excel when, you know, it's, it's quite the opposite. If I excel, you excel. If I'm able to rise, then maybe I can lift you up. And it's, it's part of it is trusting that that is what's going to be done and forgiving when it's not and just looking to support those who are really pushing forward. So... I think that's my answer. Hopefully that answers the question for you, Angel, in regards to success for our community. Now, I, you know, <laughs> as a life coach, often I'm more so focused on personal success. And what I find, there's a parallel to when you think about community and you think about personal. Typically, one of the reasons why when I work with clients, they're not successful is some, some kind of way they're operating on top of a breakdown. And what I, what I mean by a breakdown is uh, there's something in their life, life that is out of integrity with what they really want it to be. Not integrity in a sense of, you know, righteousness, external righteousness, but internal um, righteousness. Meaning I, Linnell, I intend to be a certain type of man. I intend to bring a certain type of characteristic or quality forward when I step into a room. And I'm unable to do that based on the fact that I have not disciplined myself properly or my vices have control of me, whatever it may be, right? And so when you think about individual success, that's what I mean operating on top of a breakdown. Like typically someone's operating on top of some type of breakdown, and that's where a coach can be extremely effective. Now, let's take that to community, right? That was individual success. If we take that to community, I think the fundamental breakdown is division. It's division and it's lack of trust and just not being willing to 
to unify in regards to the intended result overall, which is the empowerment of our community versus getting caught up in the particulars and the details of how we may go about it. For instance, if you if you think about any milestone that you have typically or go typically in order to get to the milestone itself, there's a certain set of action plans or critical success factors that you have to take on. And often I believe that we get caught in the area of critical success factor, like, well, that's not the right one, or I disagree with that. And we spend so much time there, we never reach the milestone. In order for us to see success in our community, we have to come together and work together so that we can see change in our community. We have to let go of the way we think things have to get done and make compromises so that we stand as one to see our communities transformed into a successful one. Our next clip aired on March 22, 2014, and it is from the episode Inputs, Outputs, Part 3. In this clip, Linnell discusses how the more successful you are, the more haters you'll get. Once you start going after what you want, people will try to break you down. Hate is a consequence of success. Your haters are obsessed with your success. I mean, they're obsessed with it. Thus, you can measure your success by how many haters you accumulate. I mean, because typically the more successful you are, the more haters come with that. All right. And so the more you do and the higher you go, the more you're exposed to haters who will take cheap shots from the cheap seats. Now, what do I mean by that? I actually stole that from I heard Brene Brown speak once. And what she was talking about is uh, if you don't know who she is, you should, really should Google her. She has a wonderful talk on vulnerability. And what she said is when she, you know, she's a fairly shy person and she did a TED talk and that kind of pushed her towards fame and notoriety overnight. OK. And what she said is she was horrified at the hor- I guess the horrible things that people said, you know, to her via the Internet. And the Internet has created this tool where now, you know, somebody can dip in and say something really bogus and just disappear. <laughs> I mean, you don't know who they are. They only have a profile picture or it comes up anonymous. So they got, you know, ZYJJ as their as their name. And they just say something real foul and bogus. And believe me, it's happened to me, okay? I've gotten inboxed with somebody saying something real wild. And that's basically somebody talking from the cheap seats, okay? They're way up high, way far away, and they're just basically yelling. They're yelling noise. And, you know, so what are you going to do with that? Are you going to let it seep into your spirit and begin to discourage you? Or is it just an indication that, hey, you know what? You know, people care about what I'm doing. How cool is that? You know, you get to you get to decide. But you can be for sure. Once you begin going after whatever it is that you're dreaming about, whatever your goals are, and you begin mobilizing and creating that ripple effect that I've talked about before, you know, people are going to basically buy seats in the 300s and 400s, the cheap seats, and they will shoot things at you. And you got to be cool with it. Don't let an abundance of criticism slow you down and discourage you, is what I'm basically saying. Just keep in mind that an exponential growth in hate is often the consequence of an exponential growth in your success. All right. And and to the young people who are listening, this cyberbullying, you know, somebody texting you or Facebooking you or tweeting you saying things about you. You know, keep in mind that they got their mind on you. And so you must be doing something right for them to be sitting at home, you know, trying to figure out how to say something to you to bring you down. And so every time you get one of those things, just remember, okay, you must be pretty important for them to take time out of their evening to shoot something at you. And instead of it, you know, hurting your feelings or getting you upset, use it as a, a tool to inspire you. And to let you know that you must be doing the right thing. You know, somebody, and you get this all the time. Oh, you must think you look good. You know, well, <laughs> if that's the way you opened it, I must be looking good. I must be looking good. I must be smelling good. I must have done something right. 
because whatever comes out your mouth next is to, you know, to try to create a sense of uh, basically discouragement about how I'm showing up. You know, what I find is that when someone hates on you, it isn't about you. It's about them and their insecurities and their failures. Don't give your attention to people who hate on you. Like Linnell said, you must be doing something right for them to hate on you. And if you're the one who's hating on someone, I challenge you to examine yourself and ask yourself, what am I doing for me? Take your eyes off of who you're hating on and look at your life to think about what you will do to ensure your success. The next clip is from the episode, Your Relationship with Possibility, Part 3. It aired on July 25th, 2015. In this clip, Linnell discusses our fear of what people think if we shine. We fear the consequence of success. Why? Because success means that things have to change or changed. How do you distinguish it? Well, you got to get real clear. Are you afraid of what people will think if you shine? Are you afraid of what people may say if you chase greatness? Are you afraid to fail? Because these are common fears. You might say, really? Uh, am I afraid of what people may think if I shine? Oh, yeah. Often, we fear the consequence of success. Why would we fear the consequence of success? Because success means that things have to change. That means that things have changed. Yeah, success may mean your bank account changes. That means that your relationship with your family might change. All of a sudden, you got all this money. All of a sudden, you realize that people have a lot of wants. <laughs> and so unconsciously, you may not want to deal with that. And so as a result, you don't even go after the goal, the dream. Why do we let people hinder us from pursuing the dream that's laid on our hearts? Caring about what people think won't get you to the dream that's on your heart. Let your light shine. People may change and hate, but don't let that stop you from shining. This next clip comes from the episode, The Importance of Knowing Your Purpose, Part 2. It aired October 17, 2015, and in this episode... Linnell talks about applying the knowledge we know and using it for our success. People who are successful know how to make their actions applicable. It's funny because in working on the content for purpose for the show and the content for purpose that I'm putting together, I've been doing a lot of reading. And one of the things that I've been reading on success is simply this. That people who are successful know how to take the knowledge that they have and turn that knowledge into applied action. Applied action. That's the only thing that separates them. And it's crazy because, for instance, when I think about the audience at WVON, I don't know that there's an audience in Chicago that has more knowledge than this audience. I mean, when you hear... You know, you all call in and you share what you have to share and you drop knowledge. I don't think I know an audience that has more knowledge. So why don't we have the traction in our community that we're looking to have? And I believe the reason why we don't have that is because we're not taking that knowledge and taking it and making it into applicable action. So. I'm going to tell you, it's 2015, time out for just knowing something, and it's time to actually apply the knowledge that we know. I was listening to a story the other day, actually this week, about a man who would complain about his community. He would complain about how everything in his, in his town was going downhill. Whenever he complained, his friend would ask him, why don't you do something about it? You worked in town hall. You have the knowledge to make the change. But he would ignore his friend. He had all this knowledge, but he refused to use the knowledge he had to make the changes he wanted to see in his community. People who are successful know how to take what they know and apply it. If you want to be successful, use the knowledge and what you have to go and do what it takes to be successful. Get off your butt and get it done. 
Our next clip is from the episode, The Importance of Knowing Your Purpose, Part 2, which aired May 30th, 2015. Now, in this episode, Linnell discussed how he thought he could be successful without a woman. The Mystery of Sex, Transmutation, Chapter 11 of Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill discusses how men of the greatest achievement are not run by their sexual desire. They funneled their desire or energy to their craft or to what they want to accomplish in their life. The third thing I want to talk about is the Napoleon reference I made. I talked about Napoleon. If you don't remember, I said I read his I read his writings. I read Napoleon's writings and I thought that I could be the one guy that would still be successful without a woman. Okay. And if there's any men who are listening tonight and women, but this is, I I would say really to the men. I I don't throw a whole lot of books out there, (laughs) but Napoleon Hill's book, think and grow rich chapter 11. The name of the chapter is the mystery of sex transmutation. A lot of people getting on Amazon right now. They're like, what? Napoleon Hill talked about sex? He sure did. All right. Hey, this is the ultimate self-improvement book. I say it all the time. Okay. Because it doesn't just cover the surface of what it takes to be successful. It talks about everything. All right. So sexual transmutation. What does that mean? The meaning of the word transmute is in simple terms, the changing or transferring of one element or form of energy into another. Okay. So when I say sexual transmutation, that means turning sexual energy into something else. All right. Now, Napoleon Hill talks about this in his book. And what he says is that in order for a man to become truly successful or creative genius, he has to figure out how to turn his sexual energy into something else. Because if he allows that sexual energy to run his life, then he will never be more than the sexual conquest that he has. So men, I know some brothers that I'm telling you from the time they wake up to the time they go to sleep, that whether they know it or not, the thing that is driving them is their sexual energy, how hard they work, the car they drive, the home they have, all of it is sexual energy and is not necessarily being used the right way. And if they funneled it the right way, they could be creative geniuses, period. All right. Now, so he says this in the book and then he goes on to say that there are two scientifically researched significant facts. And this is what I was trying to get over myself, right? I read the book. I I studied this book and I'm like, well, I'm going to get around it (laughs) because I was so afraid of a relationship. All right. But the first one was that, Men of the greatest achievement are men with highly developed sex natures, men who have learned the art of sex transmutation. Again, remember what I said is transmutation is transfer of that energy. That means that they are not run by their sexual desires. They actually know how to corral it and use that energy for something else. Writing books, creating music, poems, right? Some of the the great works that we've seen are of a man, Charles Dickens, is a good example. He wrote great expectations after his heart got broken. I mean, he got his heart broke and instead of laying in the corner crying about it, he wrote one of the greatest classics of our time of that century and still a book that we read in the 21st century. Okay. So that's the first one. Number two, men who have accumulated great fortunes, and achieved outstanding recognition in literature, art, industry, architecture, and the professions. I'm also going to say technology. Now this is the 21st century, right? Were motivated by the influence of a woman. All right. Now this is based on 1939, 1940 scientific facts, scientific research. But I would say that it probably still stands true. So this is what, when I talked about Napoleon, I just wanted to make sure I clarify this. This is what I was trying to avoid and get around by navigating outside of a relationship. Like, I, I don't have to get married. I'm, I'm going to be George Clooney. <laughs> He's successful. 
<laughs> I can do that uh, versus, you know, be in a, a relationship because that was scary for me. Now, I want to share some more because maybe this will get you all to actually go pick up the book and read it. But the other thing that Napoleon Hill said was that the research from these astounding discoveries were made, how they made them was they went back through the pages of biographies and history for more than 2000 years. Okay. So this is not just, you know, he wasn't just looking at the men of his time. He was looking at at men from almost all time and wherever there was evidence available in connection with the lives of men and women of great achievement. What was indicated most convincingly is that these individuals possessed highly developed sex natures. What does that mean? Not that they were out there being promiscuous, but that they knew how to funnel that energy. Some of us probably need to rethink our commitment to singleness. Maybe you can relate to Linnell when he was younger, having no desire to be with anyone at this place in your life. But perhaps to accomplish your dreams and goals, you need a partner to reach success. Something to consider, maybe. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Inspirational Perspective on WVON 1690 AM, The Talk of Chicago. I'm your host, Emmanuel Leonard, Director of Creative Services for Inspirational Perspective, sitting in for Linnell Harris. Tonight, we're thinking about success, and I've compiled a couple of clips from different episodes of Inspirational Perspective where Linnell discussed this topic. Now, this, the next couple of clips all come from the episode, What Makes a Person Successful? It aired June 28, 2014. And in this first clip from that episode, Linnell talks about resilience. Resilience is sticking to your personal objectives, goals, or aspirations despite your circumstance. Keeping your eye on the possibility rather than the circumstance. Number one is resilience. You know, so the first characteristic that I came across in my notes that I began to see a a very, I I guess, a theme across not just the notes that I had gathered from mentors, but also books I read. I also take notes on, you know, when I'm reading a book, something that sticks out. And resilience was one of the number one characteristics that I came across. So, all right. So what do you mean by resilience, Linnell? Well, the simple ability to be resilient, no matter what obstacle is in your way. And what I found is resilience is one of the most differentiating characteristics of anyone that is successful. So what does resilience mean? Well, resilience means sticking to your personal objectives, goals or aspirations, despite the circumstance. Despite the circumstance, that means keeping, I guess if I had to paint a picture for you, it means keeping your eye on the potential or the possibility or the goal or the dream versus your eyes on your circumstance. And often, I think a lot of us, we focus so much on our circumstance that it, we get exhausted by the circumstance. Therefore, we have no energy to push through. And so we it's almost impossible to be resilient. Now, I once heard resilience described like this. And check this out, because uh, I think this is an interesting perspective. So is a billionaire with 20 billion dollars, 20 billion dollars smarter than you or I? That's the question. All right. And think of it as in ratios. I mean, that you know, they're 20 billion dollars smarter than you or I. Is that possible? Like, is that the differentiator? Is it their smarts? And I would say, no, it's not the smarts. They've just mastered the characteristic of resilience in terms of how to create their enterprise. And so it's not always that individuals are so much smarter than us or have so much more access than us. Because again, I've said in the 21st century, We all have similar access, right? Because if you have a smartphone and you can get to Google, then there's not too much that you can be, that you can't find, okay? And so 
the difference between a billionaire with $20 billion is not the brains. It's something else. And I believe it's this thing called resilience, right? So unlike those of us who quit when resistance places itself in the path of our dreams or our goals or our aspirations, the billionaire just keeps moving along and overcoming their barriers. That is simply the difference. If you guys can recall some shows, uh, ah, this is a while ago, maybe even a year ago, I had a show called Success Versus Mediocrity. And in that show, I shared a quote from Earl Nightingale about how he basically measured the difference between an individual that can be considered successful and an individual that's considered mediocre. And he came up with the measurement that there's only a 2% difference between an individual that's successful and one that is mediocre. 2%. And what he says, what he goes on to say about that is that 2% is what separates a person that is successful from those that are mediocre from the pack over time. So imagine, right, I'm going in a straight line and someone else is uh there's a 2% variance for those of you who did trig. Let's say it's a 90-degree angle versus a 92-degree angle. The further out you get, the further away you will be from that straight line, from that 90-degree angle. And so that's what Earl Nightingale was saying. If you begin to do something different today in regards to your success, that one thing could be the difference between who you are and what you accumulate years from now, a decade from now, two decades from now versus if you did nothing. And so often, you know, I I think some, we have goals, we have dreams and they seem too big to chisel, chisel away at. But I do believe part of the idea we're talking about resilience here is to chip every day, the little that you can, because that work will differentiate you long-term from others who are not willing to do the work. I think a lot of times we get caught up in the floods in our lives. And instead of wading through the water, we try to find a way to get out, try to find a shortcut. Resilience is going through the flood, believing that you will make it to the other side on land. Yes, your circumstance It's difficult to get through. But if you focus on your possibility, like Linnell says, you will make it through. Someone who is successful knows that the flood isn't the end. They go through. They're resilient in the face of their difficulty. In this next clip from the same episode, What Makes a Person Successful, Linnell shares how we have goals for our work, but not for our own personal lives. The effort you put into your work You should also put into yourself and into your goals for your success. We associate our work goals with survival, but we don't associate our personal goals with survival. Number four, clearly defining what success is. You know, so it's it's one thing to say, I want to have a million dollars. All right. But for what? To do what with? When? (laughs) You know, all those different factors go into clearly defining what success is. And then here's the interesting thing. Most of us work a nine to five, you know, or some iteration of that every day. Right. So if you don't work nine to five, you work three to eleven or eleven to eight. You know, but, you know, most of us work some iteration of an eight hour job and at our jobs. Either we set our own goals or we have leaders that set that goal for us, right? Some of us have daily goals. There's, you know, so much you have to accomplish in that day. Um, and then, you know, your evaluations are based on your daily progress every day, kind of added up. Others have quarterly goals or annual goals. Either way, we have goals. And we typically receive some type of indicator for what success will look like for those goals. So if it's daily, if it's If it's quarterly, if it's annually, we have some type of indicator assessment that will tell us what success looks like for the year. And when it comes down to creating personal goals that are based on our own dreams and aspirations, I find it fascinating how often we skip the vital steps of creating a measure for that success. All right. So 
at work where you spend all this time and you're basically, you know, helping someone else become rich, you have very well thought out, articulated goals. However, for yourself, the things you want to accomplish, they're in your head. Can you see the difference? And can you see how every year you deliver on the corporate goal or the goal at work, but somehow you don't deliver on your own? It's not rocket science. You have to spend the same amount of time, put the same amount of effort into creating your own personal goals. I guess the big question is, why do we do this? Most of us hate to fail, and I think that's part of the reason, right? So you can, most of the time when you're looking at work goals, you can clearly see how you're going to be successful. You know what you need. You know who you might need to work with, what individuals you need to bring in to accomplish a particular task. However, when it comes to your personal goals, often I think we're not sure. And so we don't know. We, we don't want to put measures on that. We don't want to put by wins on that because we don't like failing. But if you don't have a deadline, then that goal, that dream, well, that's what it stays a dream. And so for the most part, we're forced to set professional goals in the workplace, whether we like the goals or not. It doesn't matter. And so in the workplace, we'll work sun up to sun down to meet the expectations of the goals that we set there. Because we associate that success with survival. Okay. Got to get a check. Got to have a roof over your head. So we associate those goals with survival. But in the meantime, we avoid gaining clarity on our own dreams because we don't associate that with survival. That's optional. Hmm. All right. So if it's optional, you wonder why we don't ever really make the movement that we're looking to make. And so what I would say to that is, if your dreams are optional, then there's no accountability for what you intend for that dream to become. There's no way for you to measure the intention of that dream. And so what happens is you end up robbing yourself of your passions and your dreams because you, not nobody else, but you didn't take it serious. And you didn't take it even as serious as that job you don't like. Interesting, but this is how it goes. So all I can say here for number four is, which is clearly defining what success is, is define your success by creating clear objectives and measurements by which to hold yourself accountable, just like you do at work. That's the long and short of it. When we understand what success looks like in our personal lives, we can create a clear vision a pathway to success. Once you have your vision clear, you can start taking the steps you need to ultimately reach that vision of personal success. Clearly define what success is for you and then take the next step. In this next clip from that episode, Linnell discusses how the most successful people Linnell knows are self-disciplined. They celebrate their wins, but they don't party every weekend. Self-discipline is looking in the mirror and addressing how your energy should be spent. Where is your energy going? To Candy Crush? Number five is self-discipline. And so, self-discipline. You know, I will share this, and some of this comes from observation, because I would have to admit that I don't know that I've read a whole lot about self-discipline, nor have I been taught or mentored a lot about self-discipline. It's one of those kind of covert characteristics that you find in successful people. And so from my observation, what I found is this. The most successful people I know are also some of the most disciplined. They don't let their celebrations outshine their wins. All right. And so that doesn't mean not to celebrate. But, you know, you should ask yourself if you're kicking it every Friday, every Saturday night, you're turning up, you're drinking, you're having a good time. What are you celebrating? Are you celebrating the fact that you work 40 hours that week or you just having a good time? Because if it's just having a good time, you're probably not making traction. And the most successful people that I've had the opportunity to observe and to interact with, some of which are celebrities that you guys know very well. They may turn up, they may celebrate, but you can, um, you can pretty much guarantee 
that they're celebrating something. They're celebrating a win. After which, you know, they kind of go back to getting the work in. They also control their energy source with intentional rest. You know, a lot of them aren't afraid to check out and go to bed. And all this is done purposefully to ensure when it's time to get to work, they can make a huge impact. And so with self-discipline in particular, this here, this is not a conversation for you. It's interesting because maybe they haven't had it with me for a reason. I really believe self-discipline is looking in the mirror and addressing yourself. Because I'll tell you, the biggest hurdle to my success has been me. And the toughest person I've ever had to lead is me. And, you know, since that's the case, then my energy should be placed in the discipline of me versus everything else. And so a question to ask, you know, if you wonder whether or not you have a good amount of self-discipline or not, a good question to ask yourself is where is your energy going? Is it going to Candy Crush or something else? Facebook? Yeah, I said Candy Crush because I keep getting invitations to play. I'm not playing. Don't send me an invitation. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> there's too much to do to be playing Candy Crush, y'all. And there's money to be made out here. All right. So where's your energy going? Because if, you, if you're giving a significant, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with playing games. But if you're giving a significant amount of your energy to that, it's going to be very hard to be successful. So I am guilty of this. I am guilty of giving in to Candy Crush or watching my favorite TV show when I know that my energy should be going to my greater priorities. What I've learned helps me is that I have to start my day with my greatest priorities. Then as the day goes on and I finish those priorities, those responsibilities, then I can watch TV or play Candy Crush. But self-discipline is key to reaching your vision of success because if you don't have that, how will you get anything done? Something for you to consider. In this next clip, Linnell discusses how successful people have power. People who are successful either have knowledge or money. Power is given to people based on trust and respect. Just because you have a leadership title doesn't mean you have power. Mistreat power and it will mistreat you. Number seven, the, the seventh characteristic that leads to success is an individual that understands power. I'm going to say it again. Is an yeah, individual um, that understands power. All right. So I'm going to try to explain this in a way to try to make it as plain as possible because power is a tricky subject. Okay. Oh, how about how about just all right? How so power. Twelve. Then almost anyone we would label successful seems to have quite a bit of this. Okay. So how is that? And we label a lot of people successful, and not all of these individuals who who are successful have money because a lot of times they say money is power. We also say knowledge is power. Then they do have knowledge, <laughs> but they may not have a lot of money. But typically, when we find someone who's successful, they have one of both. You know, have one of them or both of them, knowledge or money or both. And that creates some type of power. Now, the catch is this. You just don't take power, leadership and influence or, you know, whatever else you want to call it. You just don't take it. Power is given based on trust and respect. Now, you might say, well, no, I've seen people take it by force. Okay. That might be an illustration of power and force, but is it really true power? Because let's look at it this way. Just because you have a leadership title doesn't mean people will be willing to follow you. They may do what you say. They may go where you go, but that doesn't reflect power. It reflects survival on the parts of the people you're inflicting force upon. All right. So you have force and then you have people surviving. And when you have force and people surviving, that's not necessarily power. Because when people are following you to survive, remember, when they get the opportunity, they will also eat you to survive. <laughs> okay? And if they will eat you, then you've never really held true power in the first place. Okay? 
Leaders with true power typically amass that power by helping those they lead. Okay. And we can look at different examples, right? Mother Teresa had power. Mahatma Gandhi had power. This probably will be debated, but I would say Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. also had power. In contrast, Adolf Hitler took a cyanide capsule and then put a gun to his head. (laughs) You know, so when you think about power, okay, mistreat power and it will mistreat you. And it will also mistreat your legacy. So power is tricky, but you can't trick it. All right. That's number seven. You have to understand power. (laughs) And a lot of us don't. Okay. So what I find is that power is a privilege. This is why you must respect it. In order to be successful, you have to understand power so that when you reach success, you will use it wisely. In this next clip, Linnell shares a story about a man that met the owner of the company he was interning at on an elevator. On this elevator ride, the owner of the company taught that intern a lesson about being more. Number eight, the yearning to be more. (laughs) You know, so I heard this. I heard this story from a successful businessman once, and I want to share with you guys. All right. And this is in regards to the yearning to be more. And this is the story he told. Early one morning, he arrived at work. He was an intern at the time, and he entered the elevator to head to the appropriate floor. And as the elevator doors began to close, someone, you know, stuck their arm in and caused the elevator doors to reopen. So to his surprise, the person who stepped into the elevator was the owner of the company. And so as they ascended in the elevator, the owner asked the young man, you know, how are you today? And so him being an intern, he looked up at the owner and said, well, you know, I'm surviving. And so to that, the owner kind of squinted a bit and then replied to him, son, everyone breathing on this planet is surviving. That won't change until you decide to be more. And so the owner then looked at him and said, be more. And so that intern listened. And today he's a multimillionaire. Okay. That stuck with him. And so one of the characteristics of success is the yearning to be more. And so my request to all of you who want to be successful is be more. Be more today than you were yesterday and be more tomorrow than you were today. So Linnell often talks about how we all have a seed of greatness in us. And I believe that seed of greatness is that yearning for more to reach that greatest potential. Don't settle for anything less than your greatest potential. Follow that yearning to be more and you will succeed. In this next clip, Linnell discusses how Kevin Hart learned from his failures from doing bad movies. We make mistakes, so we have to learn from them and then move forward. Also, learn from other people's mistakes. Use the wisdom you have and learn. Number nine is you can relate to a mistake. Because successful people, typically their road to success has been marked by many failures. All right. Uh, Kevin Hart, you guys looking at him right now. He's on top of his game. But if you check out Kevin Hart's story, he went up. And, you know, we saw him, he made some bad movies, and then he failed. And it was that failure that taught him how to be who he is today. And he talked about it a great deal uh, in the magazine. I can't remember the name of the magazine. But one of the characteristics of successful people is they know how to relate to a mistake. Because mistakes are made every day. So you have to get to the point with mistakes where you're like, so what? And you keep moving. Mistakes happen. So then learn, then move forward. The wise learn from other people's mistakes. All right. So maybe not always your own mistakes, but also learning from other people's mistakes to ensure that you don't have to personally acquire that lesson. So if you see somebody make a mistake, why do you have to go down the same road? Learn. So use a little wisdom and learn. I believe that's also understanding how to relate to a mistake. Okay. so mistakes happen. The long and short is 
you know, it's what you do with it that matters. So learning from mistakes and failures makes you stronger. When you learn from them, you come out wiser, ready to face your next obstacle. If we can relate to our mistakes, we'll be in a better place to succeed. And so that is our show for tonight. We talked about success and we talked about a variety of aspects of success. We talked about the time it took to be successful. We talked about success from a community perspective and the value of unifying. We talked about your haters and how they are obsessed with your success and how you have to ignore that and continue doing what you're doing. We talked about how we have the fear of the consequence of success and how we can't let that hinder us. We talked about making success applicable, applying success into our lives and learning from it and using the knowledge we have to our advantage. We talked about sexual transmutation, talking about how in order to achieve a lot, you have to use your energy, that sexual energy that you have for something valuable that will aid to whatever dream you have to reach your success. We looked at 10 lessons of success from what makes a person successful from that episode. And we talked about resilience and going through no matter what the circumstances and focusing on the possibility. We looked at clearly defining what success is, thinking about how the vision that you have for success and how to reach that. We looked at self-discipline and how people who are successful, they practice self-discipline and make sure that they schedule their days right so that they reach success. We looked at understanding power. You have to appreciate power in order to be successful. We also looked at the yearning to be more, that longing to be more. We talked about that potential of greatness, that seed of greatness that's in us all and how we are trying to reach that potential. And we looked at Kevin Hart's story about how he related to mistakes. And so that's our show for tonight. Thank you for listening. Make sure you follow Linnell on Facebook. Thanks for listening to Inspirational Perspective on WVON 1690 AM.